You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. We've got a Joe Burrow social media post to talk about, James, and when Joe Burrow talks, we listen, and, and then we talk about it, about him. Uh, so we're going to lead the show today by talking about Joe Burrow's owning of that knee scar that was very prevalently on display in the Bengals jersey reveal has been the subject of memes and jokes. And I haven't really gotten too far into any of that stuff, but I know it's out there, James. I know you've seen a little bit more of it than I have. I think we also have to talk about Kyle Brandt on Good Morning Football, James, with his TV versus front steps analogy on Tuesday morning. And uh, then we got some New Jersey numbers to talk about, but how about that Joe Burrow social media post? It was on Instagram. I'm sure it was on other platforms too, but primarily on Instagram. He's got the picture of him sitting on the, the Bengals throne, king of the jungle, knee scar on display. And he has a great quote underneath that picture. If you die without any scars, then you never did anything worth fighting for. That's right. Joe Burrow, number nine, QB one with just the, perfect you you do this a lot on social media or i at least seen you do this the the chef's kiss like that's exactly what he was doing here uh at least that was my reaction to to what he posted because i'm sure he saw the memes i'm sure he's seen uh a lot of of what has been talked about because his scar has been on display and was on display during the uniform reveal in multiple pictures and one i think it's cool that joe did that <laughs> in that he was like hey yeah let's Let's throw it out there. And uh, in the fact that he kind of this is his his response, essentially, to some of those memes that you're seeing that are poking fun at the Bengals and whatnot. So I uh, I loved it. I don't know about you, but I loved it. I think it speaks to his his confidence and his recovery. He's he's going on with Chris Collinsworth. We're recording this on Tuesday evening. It, it, the podcast might be up. Emily Parker tweeted on Tuesday afternoon that he's going on with Chris Collinsworth. He's she, she said, spoiler Burroughs knee is feeling really good in quotes as part of the rehab process that he talked with Collinsworth about. So I'm going to tune into that. Listen to what he has to say to Chris. I know Chris has a really good way of, of connecting to the players that he has on the show. And if Richard Sherman's on the show with him, I'm excited to see if that Richard Sherman idea that Justin Herbert is far and away the best quarterback out of that draft class comes up. I, I don't know if it would or it wouldn't. I don't know if Richard Sherman will even be there, but the Collinsworth podcast going up tonight as we record this Tuesday night will feature Joe Burrow as well. So I, I love that the knee is on display. I thought that, you know, it was curious in a few photos, you, you couldn't really see it. And, and maybe that's just the angle of the photo or the lighting or whatever. But I, I do really like the, the statement that it makes and, and in the video in the behind the scenes video, James, I don't know if you saw this, you, you could see the, the full body. You could see his left leg as he was doing those little fake throws. You know, he was, he was holding the ball all the way through for, for the photos. And mm-hmm. he, he bought, he got that weight on that left leg. There was a little bit of rotation going on. It wasn't a, a full step into it throw mechanic or anything. So I'm not saying you should read into this too much, but you know, th- there was pronation on that left leg. The weight was shifting onto that left leg that was injured. And 
That's a throwing motion. So that's as close as I've seen to Joe Burrow throwing a football since he got hurt. So I'm excited for that. I bet he's reached the stage because he had the surgery on December 2nd. And as we record this, it's uh, April 20th. So, so do the math there. I bet he's reaching like this, but not peak confidence yet and 100% confidence in that. But I bet it's close. And I bet every single day it feels like he's doing a little bit more and a little bit more and pushing himself. I, I know on Tuesday morning he went to, to Black Sheep Performance and Blue Ash, worked out there, which is what he regularly does. Obviously, he was there um, working out and doing his normal stuff at Paul Brown Stadium on Monday when we were there, we didn't get to necessarily see him, but I know he was in the building at Paul Brown stadium. And so, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's good to see every little tidbit, man. And it doesn't matter how small it is. If it's Joe Burrow, I think all of Cincinnati wants to know. Certainly our listeners want to know. We want to know because this is, this is the comeback. Like all of the, the debates we're having about the draft and free agent moves and Jersey numbers. The only reason that bleep matters is because of number nine and because of the hope that comes with him in that left knee. And there's beauty in that, but there's also a little concern, but I think he's easing people's minds each and every day with every tidbit of information that comes out. I like that self bleep you threw in there. Cause we don't, we don't do any, uh, we don't do any edits in post, you know, I'm, I'm not going back through this and adding in the bleeps when we cuss. I mean, you've heard us cuss obviously, but today this will be a clean episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I just want to go back to to the joke I made about, you know, that's the closest I've seen to him throwing a football. He has been throwing, to be clear to everyone listening. He has been throwing, but it was just nice to see him going through a throwing motion because like many of our listeners, I'm still a fan of of the football team that I talk about five days a week. So for me to see Joe Burrow going, it, it feels good. It feels good. And, and I'm excited for it. As for the memes... Miss me. I, I don't care. I'm not interested. I'm also not really interested in talking about this Sewell versus Chase thing anymore either, but the national media insists on bringing it up again and again. We had a question in the mailbag last week, James, which was more exhausting, the Burrow should pull a Manning or the Chase versus Sewell stuff. At this point, it's starting to feel the same to me. I'm no just way. sick of the same tired stories getting repeated and just the lack of, of analytical depth. But this is what we get. The Bengals fans that, you know, the national media doesn't talk enough about the Bengals. Well, when the Bengals are bad and, and the national media is ready to talk about them because we've got a superstar in Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, I'm ready for the Bengals to be drafted in the 20s or 30s again. So, you know, we, we don't have this sort of attention, at least in the way the attention is manifested next year. So we're going to talk about what Kyle Brand had to say on Good Morning Football, the analogy he made and the general discourse and and what it's like with the national media focus on Joe Burrow and the Bengals coming up next. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection a 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today, rings sure to bring joy into her life. They used diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana. 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. And you can check them out now at BlueNile.com. All you got to do is search the words 10 by 10 
at BlueNile.com. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she's going to treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, they're not going to be around long. Go check them out right now. Search 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar, the official protein bar of James Rapine and myself, Jake Lisko, and the official protein bar of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including nut and nut-free flavors. They've got great macros for your workouts, for the calorie counters, high protein. For example, let's talk about the peanut butter flavor profile today. 19 grams of protein just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar in the entire bar. They're high fiber. They're coated in 100% real chocolate. And right now, Built Bar has a promo code for our listeners. You can use LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order on BuiltBar.com. And as we record this episode, Coconut Brownie Chunk is available for a limited time. So if you're like me and that's your favorite, go check it out. Again, that's builtbar.com, promo code LOCKED15. All right, James, I'm tired. I'm tired of good morning football, you know. Should should they do the luxury pick or should they draft the foundational piece? It's, it's been a narrative everywhere. If you're a team school, your team chase, my position personally is that that's not the choice. That is not how the NFL draft works. Uh, Eric DaCosta today, GM of the Baltimore Ravens, was asked about what makes the Ravens' track record in the draft so good. And even if you're a Bengals fan, you look at the Ravens historically, they put teams together consistently. And you know what he said? He said, the draft is largely luck-driven, and one of the reasons we've had so much success is is because we've probably had the most picks in that time. And that's 100% true. So when you talk about you know, Kyle Branch, should I, should I get the TV for my basement, for my entertainment center, or should I fix the front steps and fix the foundation of my home? That's the analogy he used. You're missing it altogether. That's, that's not how the NFL draft works. And that's my rant, James, regardless of whether you think it should be Penny Sewell or Jamar Chase, this dichotomy that picking one or the other at pick number five determines the fate of the franchise It drives me nuts because it relies on this idea that teams are going to get it right. And there are tons of top five busts out there. There are tons of second round picks that are in the Hall of Fame. There's just so many reasons that it doesn't work to to take this sort of choice and apply it to the Bengals choice at number five. But I guess, you know, hey, good morning football. Talking about the Bengals two days in a row. We had jerseys yesterday. We've got Pick number five today, James. And and hey, fans, fans, apparently, this is what they want. They want national media. They don't just want you and me to talk about the Bengals. They want Good Morning Football to talk about the Bengals, too. Sure. National attention is fun, but I, sure. I agree with you. It it comes it, it comes down to how we follow them and, and how close we look at them versus the national media. And it's just much, much harder, right? If I if we had to talk about the the Raiders every day, it would be uh, a little more of a challenge because we'd have to do uh, a little more research than what we do here for Lockdown Bengals because we naturally are following the Bengals day in and day out. That's part of our our job. It's in our blood. That's what we do. Um, but yeah, like the thing that annoys me about this, and you're right, the, the first part of it, I don't give a damn who it is. Like I, I've said I'm team chase, but if they take Sewell, I'm not going to like go crazy here and act like they didn't get a great player. 
I think Sewell's a, a, a fantastic prospect. And that's the thing. It's just because you take a side. It doesn't mean that if it ends up going the other way, that it's the wrong way by any stretch. And ultimately, if the Bengals, it doesn't really matter. Name any of the top 10 picks. Whoever they take there outside of a quarterback, because that would just be weird. As long as it hits, that's the right pick. Like, you know, like it, it didn't matter that um, a, a stud offensive lineman went after A.J. Green, I think 10th overall. I think Tyron Smith went 10th overall in the 2011 draft or that Julio Jones went sixth or Patrick Peterson went fifth. At times, all of those guys were better than Green, but the Bengals got it right with Green. So if you get it right, it doesn't matter which guy you take. No one's going to question it. So that's the first thing. This other thing in this this argument about one's a foundational piece because he's an offensive lineman and, you know, one's a luxury television because he's a receiver. That part does annoy me. And I'm going to go back to 2015. And I'm not saying that Pene Sula, Cedric Abwehi, but the, the people that were in favor of those two picks, and you can go back and read plenty and, and listen. And, and I remember it because I hated that way he picked. It was, oh, look at the Bengals doing the smart thing, being disciplined and addressing the trenches. And I'm not saying it's the wrong way to go with Sewell. We know my opinion, but I, I get it for the people that want to do that. But this idea that if the Bengals take chase, they're going for the Ferrari when they should be going after the the bulldozer or whatever weird dumb car analogy you want to make. It's just dumb. And it doesn't make sense because if Chase works out, then guess what? No one is going to be like, oh my God, they never should have taken him. And on the flip side, if Sewell works out, no one, including me, this card carrying member, I'm quoting Dan Horde now of team Chase, not Sewell is, uh, is going to say, well, Dan, that was a great pick way to go with, with Sewell. So you just got to get it right. I think it would be Toyota Corolla, James, uh, on the other side of that. You know, the, the, the reliable vehicle, that's the analogy that they want to make. And yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I'm known to be very close to the middle. If, if they picked Kyle Pitts, if they picked Penny Sewell, if they picked uh, Jamar Chase, even if they picked like Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle, yeah, I might have some questions there, but there are people who I think are smart analysts who, who are students of the game who like those receivers better than Jamar Chase. And if you have a different scouting report, a different opinion, if you have a plan to use them and they turn out to be good to your first point, if they hit, you, you don't care. I mean, the AJ Green thing is made a little bit easier because he was so good so soon and Julio had some injuries early in his career. So there was never any distraction. You know, it, it is really the first couple of years that are going to matter or if one of the guys busts, right? Like if one of the guys turns out to just not make it in the NFL, that's where the the questions really come in. If one of them turns like John Ross, when the, when the Bengals picked John Ross, if he had lived up to it, if he was Tyreek Hill right now and the Bengals still had Joe Burrow on this team, like, yeah, you would say maybe you should have drafted one of the quarterbacks. Maybe you shouldn't have been scared to draft a quarterback, but if the Bengals had Tyreek Hill on this team right now, minus the, the off field stuff, nobody's knocking that pick, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're just, if you hit the pick, it doesn't matter, but that's the hard thing. And that's going back to DaCosta's point that I brought up earlier in the segment, James, is hitting draft picks is hard. It's a coin flip proposition a lot of the times. Teams, fans, analysts, everybody overconfident in their evaluations of specific players, generally speaking. And so 
I hope no matter who they pick, and I think we have a pretty good idea at this point, every indication for the last, I don't know, since Malik came on the show, maybe before Malik came on the show, because I was leaning this way before Malik came on the show, every indication is that it's going to be Chase at this point. And then they have the rest of the six rounds of the draft to figure out what they're doing on the offensive line. And that's the part of it, by the way, that I want to really enforce here. I don't think anyone is downplaying the offensive line issues, right? And and we we weren't last year. We were having the same conversation last year after the Bengals picked Burrow before day two of the draft. It was Josh Jones or a receiver. Denzel Mims came up more than T. Higgins, but still, that was kind of the, the thought process behind 33. Well, this is a prime example. No one's saying, oh, well, they shouldn't have picked T. Higgins because they got the pick right. It's pretty clear that that was the right way to go, and, and he should blossom into a a really good player. But how the Bengals go on days two and three of the draft after taking Chase absolutely matters. You have to enforce and reinforce that offensive line. That's why in our mock earlier this week, I took Chase, and then it was three straight linemen. And if they do that, I don't think anyone – will complain. And I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. I kind of doubt that's what they do. But that that should be the process. And on the flip side, if they take Sewell at five, well, then where are they going to find that speed, speedy outside threat to make life easier on Joe Burrow? Because they need to do both. And that's uh, that's something that they're going to have to balance and weigh. And it does feel like you're right that they're leaning chase. So if that is the case, how are they going to fix the offensive line? And I hope they have a plan and I hope that they have a backup plan to the backup plan to the backup plan. And if they do that, then they can do both. Get the high flying, amazing 75 inch TV. That looks great in the man cave while also protecting Joe Burrow. Yeah. And one thing that we haven't talked about probably enough is it's, and, and you, and you did see it in the mock draft we did on Monday. It's both sides of the trenches. It's, even a linebacker. I mean, there are a lot of ways this team can get better. And you go back to the the times when this team was really good, when they were nailing drafts about a decade ago for about three years. They've got to find some gems. They've got to find those day three gems. And so not only do they have to get the best player available, find the, the franchise player and find the blue chip player in the top five. They've got to come back and stabilize some stuff on day two. And they got to get back to hitting on day three because they haven't gotten that quality starter out of day three of the draft for far too long. And there are some gambles that could be available to the Bengals on day three in this draft. We're going to talk about the new jersey numbers for the new players on this team. They look really good in that new font, by the way, James. That's actually really growing on me. And we're going to talk about Landon Dickerson's unfortunate injury news coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL draft is less than two weeks away, and there are a ton of different prop bets. It's simple as over-unders for where Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell will be picked. Maybe you want to bet on the over-under on Bengals wins in 2021. It's set at six and a half. You think it's over? Go there now at betonline.ag. And hell, maybe you think it's under. Either way, the money's the same. So go to betonline.ag, sign up for free today. And when you make your first deposit, make sure you use promo code Locked On. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. It's that simple. Again, betonline.ag, promo code Locked On, 
And when you make that first deposit, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We got some new numbers, James. The Cincinnati Bengals' new acquisitions have their numbers assigned. And unfortunately, Josh Tupo has been displaced. He opted out last year, and, and Imani Bledsoe took his number, 91. And this year, Trey Hendrickson, coming from New Orleans, took his number. He'll be wearing 91. And Josh Tupo, much to my chagrin, has been relegated to 68. And I think if anyone had the ability to overcome the number 68, it's Josh Tupo. But I wish he was still wearing a number in the 90s, man. Josh Tupo, as you said, is my boy, and uh, I just hope that number 68 doesn't hold him back. You're going to have to, uh, what, we, we're going to have to get Josh Tupo on the pod so you could talk to him because you are cheesing right now <laughs> with the idea of Josh Tupo overcoming 68 and being great. Make 68 great. I mean, you can start the movement, print the T-shirts if you want. You know, Jake, you're, you're capable of doing that. But, yeah, uh, new numbers. And oddly enough, the, the guy who signed a four-year $60 million deal somehow got the number 91 that he wanted. I wonder how how tough that conversation was. Ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Josh Tupo <laughs> has been with this team. <laughs> Look, I love Josh Tupo. I would love to talk to Josh Tupo. Uh, Hendrickson wearing 91, that's fine. And, and like I said, I, I like how these numbers look. If you go to the Bengals' Twitter feed, they've got the numbers in their new font below all the names. And let's go through them. Let's go through the numbers. We'll talk about the ones we think are, are good numbers and the ones that are you know, I don't know. Actually, I think most of these numbers are pretty good. Eli Apple wearing number 20 as he will, I think, be fighting to make this roster as a backup corner, hoping to resurrect his former number one draft pick status, first round draft pick status in Cincinnati. Mike Hilton, another cornerback, takes 21. Chido Bayouzie, 22. And the corners go 20, 21, 22. The new additions at cornerback all very solid cornerback numbers. Nobody getting into the 30s until we get to Ricardo Allen, but that's a going to be a safety, obviously, wearing 37. And that's a typical safety number, I think. Really like the 20s, though, for the corners. You a 20s for cornerbacks guy, James? Do you care at all about what numbers these guys wear? Do you believe, as I do, that they impact performance? Um, Not really. I, there are certain <laughs> numbers that stand out to me. 85. Is, is obviously one that just it, because of the, the history, specifically with the Bengals of, of receivers. But the one out of all these that I think I love the most is that Thad Moss, baby. 81, that's exactly what he wore in college at LSU with Burrow, but that's exactly what his dad wore with the New England Patriots when he was setting records. And to me, the best version of Randy Moss was that. That, that stealth Moss who, yeah, he wasn't putting up uh, crazy numbers outside of the 07 year, but was just so damn good and, and such a threat. So, uh, yeah, I like the 81. I think out of all these numbers, that might be the best fit. Not that any of the other ones are bad because most of these guys like Ricardo Allen, he's keeping the same number he had. Um, a, a couple of these guys are changing, but Reef, same number he had in, in Minnesota as well. You know, you heard it here first, folks. Thaddeus Moss following in his dad's footsteps, going to smash records wearing that 81 in Cincinnati. And I find it interesting, actually, that he is a noteworthy enough player to get on this list. I guess he's a new player, so it makes sense. But 
out of all of these guys, undrafted free agent next to marquee free agent signings, I guess maybe there's a plan for Moss. Maybe I undersold his chances of making the team, but I'm going to choose not to read too much into this. 71 <laughs> for Reef. You mentioned this a number he wore previously. I, I like it. It's a right tackle number for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, that's probably where he's going to be playing this year. And Larry Ogunjobi, I don't know if we've talked about him yet, wearing 65. Out of all the numbers in the 60s, besides 69, of course, 65 is a pretty good number if you're going to be in the 60s. And I guess they must have run out of 90s. Or maybe he wore 65 in Cleveland. Maybe he's just attached to that number. That's what he wore in Cleveland. But whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. What's so special about the number 69? You you see the, the six in the new font with the way they cut off the top of that six and the way they cut off the bottom of that nine. It oh, looks yeah. really nice in the new font, man. I really nice. appreciate the aesthetic. Yeah, it is nice. <laughs> it's good to know. I'm glad uh, that's where your priorities are, Jake. As far as uh, oh, the last thing, and you, you teased it at the top of the show, Landon Dickerson. This is some bad news for uh, those who want Landon Dickerson in rounds two and or three of the NFL draft, arguably the top interior offensive lineman in the 2021 NFL draft class. Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network reporting that several teams would not draft Dickerson in the first five rounds due to medical concerns. He wrote, quote, the long-term effects of prior injuries are as much of a concern as the short-term possibility of suffering a major injury again. And he's also learned that several teams gave Dickerson a medical grade of three minus off medicals that's the equivalent of a C minus in letter grades, according to Pauline. And I mean, hey, he's he's dealing with and recovering from a torn ACL now. That's his second major ACL type injury during his college career. He also had two separate serious ankle injuries. This isn't surprising, but it is a bummer. At the same time, if you're talking about Landon Dickerson on day three, there's a part of me that would love the value there if he somehow found his way there, assuming the Bengals are at least able to clear him medically. Yeah, that's the really challenging thing. This is a guy that, you know, for some people, it would be a, a top half of the first round type of offensive lineman on tape alone. And I talked about this during our mock draft on Monday. I, I strongly would have considered him over Raddins in the second round. I still probably would, but we don't know anything about the medicals. All we know is what we hear through guys like Tony Pauline. And, you know, maybe he's got good sources. You, you think he probably does. I think that this is one of those things where there was a lot of smoke around it before this report came out, which I guess on the other hand makes it easier to lie about because it is lying season. Teams are putting stuff out there to try to manipulate the stock. I don't think it ever really works. I really don't actually think that lying season has the intended effect, but it seems to happen every year anyway. So this could be a legitimate thing. I think it probably is. I think that's really unfortunate, but all it takes is one team, right? And so I think there's a good chance that some team is is willing to take that risk. But like you said, James, if he does fall, he becomes an incredible value pick if the risk pays off, even if you only get one contract out of him. Even mm -hmm. if you only get, you know, 50 games out of him over four or five years or whatever it is, and he can be a really good player in those games, I think that he's probably going to make a team happy, but he has to stay healthy. And, and maybe that's even too optimistic for one contract for him. And 
We don't have access to the medicals. I, I wish him all the best, though, because I, I think he has a great personality. Hearing him talk to Brandon Thorne on Brandon Thorne's subscription thing, where he talked through some of his play on tape. He has a great personality. The cartwheels in the background at his pro day won over a lot of fans. And he has really good tape. So it is unfortunate. I, I wish him all the best. And, you know, for the Bengals, for, from the Bengals' perspective, like you said, James, if they can get him on day three suddenly, which I'm skeptical of even after this news, it, it could be one of those day three hits. No doubt. And that's that's the thing is if they clear him medically, Zach and Duke and these you know, Frank Pollock, they have to find where's that sweet spot. Because if you want to talk about turning around the Bengals' offensive line, landing a land in Dickerson in rounds four or five, that would just be potentially game-changing if he pulls a Miles Jack, right? And there was all those concerns about him coming out and he fell to round two, and he's been pretty damn healthy for the Jaguars, at least from a distance. I haven't looked and done my research, but there's always medical fallers, right? And who knows, maybe this is the the diamond in the rough where he does find a way to stay healthy. And you're right, one contract would be enough. So who knows? But it, it's certainly a bummer that NFL teams have that grade on him. And, and who knows if it's the Bengals or not. We'll see if he becomes a Bengals diamond in the rough. I hope they find a diamond in the rough. They, they just need to find a way to hit on more picks than normal this year. They need to get lucky in, in the words of, Eric DaCosta calling calling the draft largely a game of luck. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Tomorrow, we will reflect upon whatever it is that Joe Burrow says to Chris Collinsworth on the Collinsworth podcast because I'm sure there will be interesting things for us to talk about coming out of that. Duke Tobin will be talking to the media. We will follow up on whatever it is that Duke tells everybody in his press conference. So until then, Bengals fans, who day? And have a good one.